Welcome to episode 75 of the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani. Here we go. This week on the podcast, Dwayne chats with Mike McGee, technical marketing engineer, about our upcoming release of AOS 5.17 and some of the DR features like sync support for AHV, near sync support for Metro ESXi, network segmentation for replication, and much more. There's a lot to get excited about in this release. So with that, let's join the conversation. Today, to help bring in the launch of 5.17, I have my partner in crime, Mike McGee, joining the podcast. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dwayne. How's it going? Uh, not too bad in the land of lockup, but the reality is not much has really changed in my world since working from home is always a thing. How about you? Uh, very similar. Very similar. Work from home most of the time. No travel definitely makes that feel uh, a little more difficult, but I think we're all we're all in the same boat. Love having the kids home all the time. It's fantastic. No hint of sarcasm there at all. I was going to say, you're such a liar. I love my kids, but you know what they say? Absence makes the heart fonder. Heart grow fonder. (laughs) Something like that. Um, Yeah. So the the task at hand, um, 5.17, quite a few DR features that have been talked about for a while. So it's nice to see that they're coming to the door. Um, you have been a longtime expert in the land of metro availability, so I'm really delighted to have you on to talk about some of the, the, the new sync options that are coming out. Now, as far the the one that probably is near to dear to most is probably sync replication for AHV. Uh, maybe at a high level, what are the, the differences that people should be aware of between the ESXi uh, product or known as Metro Availability compared to HV SyncRep? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so if we look at Metro, the formal, formal Metro clustering solution, typically what it is, and it's very similar with Hyper-V too, just to give a shout out to Hyper-V, we, we do support Metro with, with that as well in ESXi. And that, that traditionally is a single hypervisor-based cluster on top of a synchronous storage solution. And in our case, we're doing replication at the storage container level. So essentially, if you look at what we do with with Metro and ESXi, you have a single vSphere HA cluster spanning two Nutanix clusters, and then you have virtual machines that land on a synchronously replicated data store that you can fail over and fail back between sites with zero RPO. And it's very similar with Hyper, Hyper-V too. It's a, you can do a single Windows server fail over cluster if you're at Windows 2016 or going forward with our Windows 2019 support. And then on top of that, you have a single LUN, if you will, uh, or, or I should say, excuse me, SMB share that you replicate between sites and on which you, you place virtual machines. So it's more of a one-to-many relationship between your virtual machines and the entity that's doing the synchronous replication between sites. So that's one difference we'll talk about. And another big difference is that with ESX and Hyper-V, it's a single hypervisor cluster, vSphere HA cluster for ESX, Windows Server failover cluster with Hyper-V. Now, if we look at what we're doing with AHV, we've turned it into a a virtual machine-centric management 
process. So instead of managing a storage container and enabling that, and then keeping track of the number of VMs that you place in that container, you enable it for every VM on a system one by one. So if you have some VMs you want to replicate synchronously, you just go to the VM and you can protect that VM using a leap based protection policy. And I don't know how, how much we need to go into leap, um, but it's more of a VM centric entity centric way in which to do sync rep. It's also not too hypervisor uh, or, or it's, it's also not a single hypervisor cluster. So it's not a single AHV cluster spanning two AOS or Nutanix clusters. It's still two separate AHV clusters and the, the failover process is managed via leap orchestration. So those are really the two big things. And, and overall, I think those are, those are a benefit. It gives you more granular control. It also lets you do more granular recovery plans and protection policies based on your needs across the two sites. And you're not managing a storage entity to fail over and fail back. You're actually managing the VM itself. So I think it's a, a very big improvement over what we've been doing traditionally. You know, being at Nutanix as long as I have, and then you said the word LUN, I'm like, what's a LUN? You just, you don't, you don't really <laughs> I shouldn't have hear said it. LUN. It's, we use SMB, <laughs> SMB shares with Hyper-V specifically. Yeah, but even still, you just don't hear the word too much anymore. I don't, even probably in other, you know, vendors that are just pure storage, you probably might not even hear it anymore, but it's still out there. That's for sure. And so... On the the metro availability side, we you know we have vCenter at play to do some of the the orchestration or at least the management. And so, what are the requirements on for HV sync rep? Yeah. So yeah, the yeah the management the management plane there is going to be Prism Central. And instead of so instead of you know vSphere HA, you're managing it really through the you know the VMware HA cluster. You know same with Hyper V. Once you configure replication, you're really managing it from the hypervisor level when it comes to the virtual machines. But for AHV and Sync Rep to do the initial configuration, you're doing all that through Prism Central. So imagine you have a, a AOS AHV cluster at site one. You would register that to a Prism Central instance, likely at site one. And then you'd have a secondary site, site two, and you'd have the same thing there, a cluster at site two and a Prism Central instance at site two. So it's all through PC and it's all based through Leap. So if you have any familiarity with what we've been doing for a little for a little while with Leap and Xyleap, uh, entity-centric replication, it's been mainly async up to this point, you will now have a synchronous option with Link, with, with, uh, with Leap. So you the same protection policy, that policies that you can create, the same recovery plans, how you configure availability zones, how you can link VMs to categories and categories to protection policies, all that works, I think, essentially the same with async and sync with a, with a few minor differences. So I, I'm, I have two Prism Centrals. I'm going to connect one Prism Central to the other with uh, through the availability zone option, which is really just like whatever you want your fault domain to be. And then I'm maybe having a, a sync category, you know, lack of finding a better name and then applying that category to whatever VMs I want. And then maybe sticking that category in my protection policy. 100%. That's exactly right. The categories are optional. Um, so if you want to manage by category is great. The second you create a VM and give it that category, it'll automatically be applied to that protection policy, maybe a sync policy like we talked about. But if you want to do it VM by VM as well, if you want to protect the VM outside of categories, uh, you can unprotect it, you can pause replication, so on and so forth. 
you can uh, you can do that as well. So either way, it um, it'll work for you. I would assume most, if not all, the best practices, at least that maybe outside of the, the the number of files and stuff inside of a lawn, which don't make sense here, but the rest kind of still hold true as far as, you know, probably wanting to have like for like clusters on both sides, at least as a best practice, maybe not needed, but. Yeah, I, you know, the one, one of the nice things with our Metro is, you know, we've always recommended balanced configs, but there, it's not uncommon for folks to have maybe only a subset of the VMs on maybe their, their primary site that would need to be replicated synchronously. So we, we, we do have some configurations where it's not 100% equal with respect to the total amount of storage or, or CPU or memory. So it is flexible in that you can have different hardware types between the sites and also maybe different uh, density when it comes to compute or maybe even storage, but ideally it would be a balanced config. Um, you really just need to make sure that you don't utilize a site to the point where you can't fail everything over essentially um, at the end of the day. But balanced configs helps to maintain you know performance requirements as well as ensuring that if you have any kind of admission control and you only want you know up to fifty percent of the resources utilized within a site because you are replicating everything back and forth, you want to keep those sorts of things um, in mind. Uh, similar with what we do with ESX and Hyper-V, we expect a five millisecond round trip time between sites. So, you know, pretty straightforward there. Um, you know, we're, we are very flexible when it comes to the networking. You know, normally you look at networking in a Metro solution, folks are looking at a stretched layer two uh, between sites to keep the subnet mask and the IP address scheme in a way that can fail over. Um, you know, we don't have a strict requirement there even for our existing Metro with ESX and Hyper-V. Um, you can have different subnets between sites. You really just need to manage the IP addresses of the VMs as you fail them over and fail them back. Um, so if you have different networks, um, you can configure different network mapping with AHV and, and SyncRep. Um, if you leverage DHCP, that's great. You know, that VM will get a new DHCP address and hopefully do a dynamic DNS update when it fails over to the other site. Um, if you want to keep the VM IPs and do a stretch layer two, you can certainly do that as well. You know, whether you're using something like, like a Cisco OTV, um, that'll work fine uh, there as, uh, as well. Um, another consideration typically is around the, you know, because we talked about VM centric versus storage container centric or data store or SMB share centric between ESX and Hyper-V respectively. We did have some limits on the total number of files that we would expect you to replicate. So for instance, if you had a, a storage container, we wanted you to stay under 3,600 total files in that container. And that wasn't an easy number to, to figure out because some VMs might have 10 files, some might have 15, some might have less. And we're um, talking so we're talking about like VMDKs, right? Not like we're, user files. Well, well, any any file in the container, you know, whether someone placed an ISO in there or a dot log or you know the vmx file all those counted toward that limit and it's because when we do replication with metro we're also taking a snapshot under the covers to maintain the ability to resynchronize over time and you know doing a snapshot across the more and more entities um, becomes uh, becomes more of a problem so we wanted to keep it down to a certain limit and so we have you know we had checks in place that would warn you once your file count got to a certain amount but it really it was really any any file in the storage container. And so it wasn't, you know, we had rough guidelines of maybe, you know, 100 VMs in that container or maybe 200 VMs, but it wasn't an exact number because it was more about a file limit, which was tough to determine. Um, so with HV, we were looking more at a VM by VM limit. Today, 
as a part of 5.17 release, we're we're recommending 200 VMs as a part of that that Prism Central participating in synchronous replication. That that seems okay to me. I'm sure there's like maybe some customers that might want to blow through that, but it is it is meant for you know high end workloads. So it seems like it would be okay, and maybe to the point where you'd maybe still have separate clusters dedicated for the metro environment, you know, assuming that the workload is that important that it needs like an RPO of zero. True. Yeah, that typically that is the case. You would have you had would have dedicated clusters, although there was interoperability testing and you can run AHV sync rep on the same cluster as you are running near sync or or async based protection policy. So it is it is qualified to mix, although I think in most production environments, you might have more dedicated because if, it, if it's a mission critical workload to where you need sync rep, it's likely a mission critical workload where you would need the highest level of performance, the most predictable performance. And generally, when you start getting to that level of granularity, you would you would dedicate a cluster. Yeah, and I think so, you it, you know, part of uh, 5.17 was also the the introduction of a near sync for elite policies. So prior to that, it was just async as you mentioned before but i still think you know if i was a customer i'm going to want to have different protection policy well i, I guess you'd have to but uh, you want a different protection policy more importantly a different recovery plan for your vms that are using near sync and the ones that are having sync rep and maybe that maybe in the future that will go away but um i think as of the release when it when it hits the the interwebs that we only have unplanned failover for sync. That that's right. Yeah. So there's this is this is going to be a phased approach to AHV and synchronous replication. And so you can look at this as the very first GA version of AHV sync rep. It's actually been out for a little while. There was a limited release um, for some customers uh, with five point twelve, but with five to seventeen, this is the first generally available release. And if you're familiar with Leap, like you mentioned, there's the planned failover option and unplanned. Um, planned is more of an orchestrated failover, uh, you know, power off on the primary site, do one more replication, power on on the remote site, so on and so forth. Um, because this is synchronous replication, it's already in sync between the sites. So that's not so much a, a need to orchestrate. But the planned failover option, which would be, hey, we'll, we'll manage the VMs on your primary site before we bring them, bring them up on the secondary, isn't supported as a, as a part of this first release. So it's really just an unplanned failover. It'll go ahead and, and suspend replication and bring those VMs online in that secondary site as a part of that recovery plan. And then it would automatically resynchronize back the other direction. So, ba- so based on the way the recovery plan works alone, even today, I would say, yes, you would definitely have recovery plans separate for your async versus near sync versus um, uh, the Metro AHV or sync rep AHV. And then as we go forward, we're going to be adding additional functionality. So planned failover will be supported. Test failovers will be supported. And, and, and then eventually also cross cluster live migration where we leverage the already synchronized storage and will allow you to do essentially a vMotion live migration of the VM from that primary site to the secondary site. So yet, a, yet another method um, that would really lead you to separating out the way I recover maybe my live migration-based sync rep VMs versus what I'm doing with async or near sync. Yeah, that makes sense. On the, on the storage side, it's you know you can be more 
you can't really there's no ground or wiggle room for your storage or dr like that if, if you need your dr to work it, it has to be fairly bulletproof so that kind of makes sense to me anyway yeah, I mean, what's nice, you know, again, we won't have the live migration as a part of 5.17. It's going to be in a future release. But but one of the use cases that's very common for Metro is is not only so much DR, but sometimes just uh, disaster avoidance. So if you know you're, you know, you might be doing some work, uh, you know, within your building, uh, something, you know, electrical that could cause a power outage in the site, or if you know something, maybe a storm is coming or, or, or who knows, right, whatever, whatever the scenario might be. Being able to live migrate your VMs over to another uh, cluster, even just pre- preventively, would be you know something that people have uh, have sought after. So again, not with five seventeen, but we're we'll, that's one of the things that we'll be adding uh, in the future for AHV and SyncRep. I think the the number one use case for that is like you Angelo's coming to your data center, so you want to you know evacuate everything just in case he gets behind the racks. <laughs> well, he, he's he's like he's got like built in static electricity so you'd probably short out everything in there so he shuffles his feet and he wears corduroys all day (laughs) and i think the last i think the last time we spoke uh i had dns issues right so (laughs) might be the case (laughs) it's just a real life dilbert cartoon (laughs) so yeah i digress um so yeah i think we're a pretty big part of the 5.17 release uh with also, the the near sync being supported. Um, we also have single PC support as well, which I think was one of, uh, for me anyway, something really great for robo clusters. Uh, I don't know if you have you had a chance to play around with the single PC support at all, Mike. You know, you know what I haven't. Um, you know, to my knowledge, that's where you can essentially have. Um, your, your essentially your availability zones in the same in the same Prism Central, right? So you don't necessarily need a separate PC to have two clusters on which you can do a recovery plan. Is yeah, right? you can. Yeah, you can now. You can do DR between clusters in the same the same AZ, which you know, like we're talking about sync rep needing two PCs. Like it, you know. If, you want something robust. I don't think you're still going to get away from having two prison essentials. Like you want something to be the orchestration engine when the failure occurs. But like for if you have 50 sites and you still want prison central to give you that kind of one view, then um, I think it's pretty good from that standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know of scenarios where folks want even sync up within a data center. Uh, maybe between you know different different closets or even different the different uh, floors of a building. I, I remember a, a scenario where uh, you know the, the 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 fire system went off and drenched one floor of a given building. Whereas if they were on an, uh, a separate floor, they would have been able to continue <laughs> operating. So I mean, so you run into those scenarios too, where maybe a single PC for that for that entity, which is in a third failure domain, might you know might make sense. Um, but to your point, you you generally do want you know a, a separate failure domains and and ways in which if you did lose your Prism Central instance, you'd still have a method for for doing the recovery plan and, and bringing those VMs online on the cluster, uh, you know, in a separate floor, separate closet, you know, separate site, so on and so forth. And it actually leads to talking about the witness too, because you know we don't have witness support as a as a part of five point seventeen, 
And obviously, one of the other things we want to bring in the future is the ability to do an automated failover. Um, and for an automated failure, failover, you're going to need to make sure you do have that redundancy in your Prism Centrals if you do lose one. But then you're also going to need a witness and a third failure domain to be the tiebreaker, if you will, to allow for you know a vote to say, hey, you know what? Did that site take a witness lock? No, it didn't take a witness lock. We'll take the witness lock and then we'll allow the failover to occur in this site. So it does, it does take some care and planning. And, and even though we don't support witness today, it'd be good to start thinking of that because that's something we'll add in the not too distant future. Can I get a witness? Oh, no. Amen. Yeah, it'll drop viewership uh, by quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> or, or listenership <laughs> more so. <laughs> um, either or. Good thing that there's no video. Uh, as far so we that's HV, but there were a couple nuances for ESXi, too, um, in the release. And so I think... One, like the the big one, maybe maybe Angelo can relate because I think it's, you know, related for for mission critical areas like stock exchanges and clearing houses, at least having, you know, a situation where you would, you know, never be able to afford to lose any data. Um, we do have near sync support also with Metro for ESXi. And so I I, I don't know if you... Have you had a chance to configure that or run it through the lab? Because it seems like it's a pretty, like, I don't see a lot of customers needing it except for the ones that, you know, have, I don't know what the correct term is, but, you know, dealing with those scenarios anyway. So pretty high end use cases. Yeah. You know, so ESX and ESX based Metro has had async support for a while. So if you needed a third site that was async uh, hourly schedule or, or longer. Um, you were able to do that. And you're right. They did, it did also introduce the ability to do a near sync schedule. In fact, I think it can go uh, under a minute, right? I think it can go all the way down to 20 seconds with the near sync support uh, in combination with Metro for that use case. So you're right. I mean, if you're already within a synchronous distance between two sites, normally the third side is much further out, you know, because normally the Failure domain within sync and near sync would be somewhat similar, although, you know, it's not a, a hard requirement. You can do much further di distances with near sync. Um, but it is, it is a nice you know, piece of functionality to have. And it's also nice if you need even a lower RPO underneath, underneath a minute. Um, so it is, um, it is a cool option. Yeah, and, you know, and, and even right before the 5.17 release, we introduced some additional support with ESX and Metro for those who might be using it today. And that's where we formally support uh, all paths down. So that's not something we supported in the past where we would do an all pass down alert if the, you know, if the data store was in a decoupled state. That's a, a, the, our internal term for when a site might have been promoted and the other site, uh, come, you know, maybe, maybe it failed and then the power came back and it came online. It detected the other site was online. It would be in a, in a decoupled state. But you could even get in a, into a decoupled state if that cluster never really went offline, for example. You know, if you if there was a promote activity because there was a network outage and then that site was decoupled, what what's nice with that support is with VM com component protection, uh, you can actually have it once a decoupled site is is determined, you can make sure if VMs were still accidentally still running in that site for whatever reason, they would automatically be powered down and then they would be powered up in the site that had the pr promoted container. You know, based on a witness failover, for example, if there was a network outage. So it helps to make that ESX uh, Metro scenario even that much more robust 
if there's a scenario where, where a site gets promoted and there's VMs still running in the opposite site on a decoupled container, APD, component protection will make sure those get powered off and brought back online in the read-write side of the house. And this near sync support metro, you know, and also I think there's even an option for having a foresight that could do 30 minute RPO with async if the cluster was all flash as well. So I think like that, that's set up that also works with SRM as well from VMware. That's right. And that's, um, you know, that's also something we've had with with Metro clustering in ESX for, for a while is if you are going to coordinate the async relationship as like, you know, the third or in this case, even the fourth leg between sites, it'll help to give you that coordination if you wanted something, you know, out of band like SRM to help you with the VM registration. Because with an async relationship with ESX, because it's not a single vSphere HA cluster, when you do a failover, the VMs don't get registered automatically. You would need to go in and go through the VMX files and you could script the registration. It's really not that difficult, but if you wanted something a little bit more robust, productized, you know, within a GUI where you can create recovery policies and so on and so forth with things coming online, boot orders and so on and so forth, you could certainly use SRM as a part of that async leg, um, you know, either today or with the 517 release, if you have one of these more, you know, a little more complicated foresight scenarios. Okay, that's yeah. I think you know having having more options is always good. Whether you kind of stick in the the prism world or you want to use SRM, it's good to have some options on on how to orchestrate that. Now, taking a step outside of Leap, uh, we also had uh, network segmentation for DR as well. Uh, I think you were pretty hands on when the when we did the first. Uh, with volumes. And so I think it's pretty much the same workflow. Uh, have you had any experience doing the DR side? You know, I haven't, I haven't tried that with, with DR yet, but yeah, I mean, if it's a similar workflow, I mean, you're essentially creating another logical or physical separation, um, you know, within the environment to where you can segment out and get that, the replication traffic, or in the case of volumes, the iSCSI traffic off of that management address by default. So typically by default, that's the ETH zero address of your of your CVM, of your controller VM. So how do I then segment that that workload off onto another virtual NIC at a, at a minimum and potentially physical NICs if you want really hard separation between that network traffic onto different physical links? Um, so either way, you have that option, physical or, or virtually, just another virtual switch, if you will. But yeah, we support that for for volumes. That was the first like kind of big ticket item as a part of the the formal support for network uh, separation and segmentation. And in, in fact, it's something. It's funny, you know, like we've had documentation on how to do it manually for a long time. So this is really gives you the like a, a formally qualified productized version of it, you know, within within Prism and Prism Element. Uh, but yeah, volumes was the first uh, first tenant, if you will, and then data protection replication. Now you're allowed to separate that out. Um, so that gives you a lot of flexibility if you want to get it off that management address. I just had a call the other day with a, a service provider wanting to do that for their customers and and break it off instead of locking down locking down the ports, just a little bit more fine control. I'm sure there's some WAN magic you can, <laughs> it's probably easier to do if you have a separate IP for that as well. Uh, so that, that's a 5.17 feature. 
Um, I think those are the main ones that I wanted to touch on. There's some minor updates around uh, the recovery plans, um, supporting static addressing, and some scripting options available now inside of Leap. But I think those those are the big ticket ones. Um, are there any? Is there anything else in 5.17 outside of DR that that caught your eye? You know, there's one there's one interesting one that I'm I'm pretty sure got pulled in. It, I think it was targeted for 518. I'm pretty sure it got pulled into 517. But what I would ask our our audience is just to double check on the release notes. But with that, with 517, it should also include the ability, since we're talking kind of DR and and to me, it kind of links in the high availability and more robust environments. But so another one that another request that's been out there for a while is how do I create a shared storage cluster. And, you know, there's been ways to do that with like Oracle and Oracle Rack today with AHV and direct a direct attached volume groups. But generally speaking, if you're doing something that had, that requires like SCSI 3 persistent reservations for the clusterware, in the case of a very common scenario, a Windows, a Windows server failover cluster with SQL server and shared storage, typically called an FCI, a failover cluster instance, the shared storage needed to be iSCSI based. So essentially Nutanix volumes. So you would take a, a, a LUN, there, there's that word again, over iSCSI, present it to the Windows Server failover cluster, put a file system on it, and then you put your databases in there. But it required configuring iSCSI, software iSCSI in the guest, so on and so forth, or the, or the bare metal server. But still a VM based cluster was still super common. Um, so what, what it, I believe is in 517, uh, as it got pulled in, is the ability to not have to configure iSCSI with AHV. So with AHV, there's this concept of a direct attach volume group where you just add, attach a, a volume group directly to a VM. And instead of configuring iSCSI in the guest to connect to the volume group over the network, those disks will be a volume group that you see right over the SCSI bus. So it's just a much simpler way to configure storage separate from the VM. But at the same time, you can take that volume group, present it to multiple VMs, and now form a cluster on top of it and have it support things like Windows failover clustering, you know, the validation will work, it'll be able to support SCSI 3 persistent reservation, so on and so forth. Um, so that's a nice little kind of uh, maybe not so highlighted benefit that could help you with an HA environment if you want to configure VMs for that. Yeah, that sounds a heck of a lot better. <laughs> Getting, playing around with the iSCSI initiators never, it's not hard, but you know, it's just another step and so, <laughs> You know, you have to care and feed those things. So that's great. So with uh, with that, I can you know dot next is coming around the corner. Of course, we're like most companies moving to a virtual platform. What sessions are you getting ready for dot next? Yeah, for for me, it's a it's kind of a storage consolidation session, but also it, on top of it, kind of a hybrid cloud discussion. Um, so I think. We're to a point now where, you know, with the single platform, you know, we, we talked about Nutanix volumes on this call. Um, we have Nutanix files. So if you need external NFS or SMB for different use cases and user computing, uh, you know, general purpose shares, departmental shares, or even application data, PACS imaging, so on and so forth, we, we give you that with Nutanix files. We also have Nutanix objects. So your abil ability to have object storage, S3 compliant that you can utilize. And then we also have ways we integrate between them, between being able to replicate in the not too distant future between Nutanix files and, and archiving and essentially tier to S3 compliant storage, whether that's Nutanix objects or into the, the cloud. And that's a future 
uh, a, a future feature, which you know we actually have working now, but that will land in um, in the next calendar year or so. So just the uh, a session really to highlight just how we can do all that. So 301 session. So hopefully we'll get as technical as we can in the in a short window across the fact that we can do block, file, object, hybrid, all in the same all on the same platform, and just how simple that can be. So. Um, looking forward to it. Going to be working with one of our teammates, Wes Kennedy, on that. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what that's going to be my main session for for next. How about yourself? Uh, I've got two. Got Nutanix clusters on AWS, and then a deep dive on Zyleap. So just trying to still sort out what I'm going to want to want to do for a demo. Um, but yeah, it's in it's in the works. Um, so I think I think we're good here. We did talked about 5.17. We talked about .next, and we got to bug Angelo a bit. So uh, thanks, Mike. Mission for, accomplished. Yeah, right on the head. So yeah. thanks for coming out and sharing a bit. Appreciate that, and look forward to hearing and seeing your session at .next. Thanks, no, I appreciate it. It was good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com where we have blogs and links to resources, including Nutanix user groups and Nutanix education information. If you haven't already, consider subscribing to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, be safe and have a great week.